At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to First Strike right here on Visa. And I'm your host, Dave Ross. And for the next hour, we are going to break down UFC Fight Night at the UFC Apex here in Las Vegas this Saturday night. But I can't do it alone. Going to have Jordan Sherwood, Lou Finicaro, and Reed Kuhn to join us and break down these fights. And also a very special guest coming up here in just a couple of minutes, Ricardo Lamas, one of the baddest men on the planet at 145 pounds, will join the program as well. We're talking about Paolo Costa, of course, the main event. Uh, and it should be a good one against Marvin Vittori. We thought this fight was going to be a feature bout in the middleweight division at 185 pounds. But a funny thing happened on the way to the scales here. Uh, Paulo Costa could not make the weight and really, quite frankly, didn't even try to make the weight. So he said, I, I can fight at 195 if Vittori will agree to this. Vittori agreed to this. So now we're going to have this catchweight bout at 195 pounds. We've created our own division if you will, for this fight night. Right now, you see Vittori right now, still the solid favorite at minus 165. Costa coming back at plus 145. So we've got to break down this fight with this new weight class that we've created for Saturday night in so many different ways and no better person to do it with than the man they call the bully. But I find him to be a very nice guy as long as you're not in an octagon with him. He is Ricardo Lamas, and as I said, one of the best fighters ever to step into an octagon at 145 pounds. Ricardo, great to have you on the program here on First Strike. Let's talk about this, how it changes the dynamic Saturday night when Costa can't even get close to making 185 pounds and says, let's just fight it 10 pounds north of the border. 
What do you make of this? And what do you make of Vittoria saying, okay, I'll agree to the stipulation? Well, you know, Vittori's a fighter, and we spend a lot of time getting ready for these fights. So the main payoff is the fight. We don't fight. We don't get paid. I know probably Vittori could have walked away with uh, his show money, but then he's missing out on half a paycheck if he does that, if, if he thinks he's really going to win this fight. Um, coming from a fighter, you know, th this isn't new in this sport. Uh, you know, I knew a guy one time who uh, happened to have a fight against the current lightweight world champ, Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira showed up nine pounds overweight for that fight um almost missed weight for the next weight class up this fighter uh being the bad mamma jamma he is still ended up taking that fight against charles Oliveira and finished him in the fight i, I seem to forget you know his name escapes me of yeah. which fighter that was maybe you can help me out with that dave uh not too sure but being a fighter you always accept the fight no matter what you, that's that's what we're bred to do we put in so much time and so much effort. We don't want to let the fans down. We don't want to let our family down. There's a lot of people watching us. So it doesn't surprise me that Vittori made this catchweight and, and accepted this fight. Well, I think that guy might have been the, the person I'm speaking to right now here on First Strike. <laughs> so, Ricardo, but to that point, okay, when you took that fight, knowing he's almost 10 pounds north of the limit here, did that, I don't know, does it motivate you even more? I wonder if Vittori might be even more motivated to beat Paolo now, knowing that he didn't even try coming to, to Vegas this week 20 pounds over the limit. Said, well, I can make 195, but not 185. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a couple different ways that Vittori can think about this. Uh, one, he could think that Paulo Casa is just kind of overlooking him and didn't really put in the work. So he can spin that in his own favor, right? Vittori put in all the necessary work to show up to this fight close to weight and that's a big task. Like when, when we start our camps, you know, speaking from personal experience, I'm losing close to 30 pounds in those two months Whoa. from start of camp to weigh in day. So that's a lot of work that has to be put in to make sure that you do that properly and get down to a, uh, you know, to a, to a cutting weight that isn't too, too, too high up. You have to shed the weight down as much as you can shed the body fat off. And that takes a lot of work. If somebody's coming in, still 20 pounds overweight four days away from the weigh-ins that means they didn't put in the necessary work so that could you know Vittori can kind of spin that in his favor and get a, a little bit of a confidence boost knowing that he has already outworked Paulo Costa before they even get into the octagon all right now I know that you are quote-unquote retired but uh could, could you hop in there right now at 195 I mean, I'm sure you're still closer to 145 <laughs> these days but uh but, yeah, I, I just look at this, Ricardo, and it does make me chuckle a little bit to go, okay, we just created a new weight class. Sometimes people have said in the UFC you actually need more weight classes. Could this be the start of something where we go, you know what, that jump from 185 to 205, it's the only one really in the UFC. We go from 155 to 170, obviously. But could this be the start of something where Dana White goes, you know, maybe we need to create a new class at 195? Um, I don't know if Dana will go that far to create a new class. The, there's been a lot of talk of, you know, like you said, a lot of people wanted that 165-pound weight class and maybe move 170 up to 175 since all the weight classes go by 10-pound increments. If they were to do that, I could see them put it in a 195 to kind of bridge the gap between uh, middleweight and, and light heavyweight. Uh, but Dana seems to be happy kind of where it is. I think the UFC is kind of flooded with fighters right now as it is. So if they add in two more weight classes, they're going to have to bring even more guys in uh, to fill those spots. So if it happens, I don't see it happening anytime in the near future. 
but you know, never say never. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, you're right, though. They would have to bring in more fighters to get to that 195-pound limit. But Costa maybe has just created his own division for Saturday night. Let's talk about pathways to victory, Ricardo, because I think you break it down better than most when I talk to, to former fighters that fought at an elite level like yourself. When you look at this, certainly from a betting perspective here, a victory by submission right now. And again, he's minus 165 just to win the fight. But if you want to take him by submission, and he has nine submissions in his career, Ricardo, plus 450. I mentioned that maybe if Powell's a little bit heavy in this fight, if he can get this fight down to the ground, uh, you know, fight script here for, for the Italian, could you see a pathway there at plus 450 possibly cashing? Uh, possibly if he manages to gas Costa out in the beginning rounds. Uh, Costa's a guy that is, you know, first of all, he's a black belt in BJJ, so when he's on the ground, he's very comfortable. Um, but if if your gas is gone, all your technique goes out the window. So, you know, with him coming in overweight already, if I was Vittori, I would be pushing the pace right out of the gate, trying to gas him, because like I said, doesn't look like Costa put in the work to get ready for this fight. So if he can gas him out and then take the fight to the ground, Costa might be looking for a way out himself. So I could see a submission happening if that were to happen. Okay, and again, conversely, if you want to back Paulo Costa here on Saturday night, you're going to get some favorable odds here, Ricardo, in a couple different scenarios. One, if he can win by KO, TKO, or DQ, that's plus 240. Now, that seems like you're thinking knockout power. That's got to be the script for him, right? Because here in Vegas, Ricardo, for, for Costa to win by decision, it's plus 600. So is it really the only realistic way of victory here is by knockout? I think that would be the most practical way that he's going to win this fight. Um, he's a heavy puncher. He's a big, strong guy. You know, I mentioned that he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but he's not one of these guys that is is very uh, reliant on his takedown abilities, right? I don't see him going in, closing the gap, and and kind of smothering guys against the fence. So for him to win this fight, I see him landing a big shot on Vittori and finishing him. Um because he's coming in overweight and he didn't put that work in, I could see why they kind of made it that, that uh, you know, what did you say it was plus 600 for a decision? Plus 600 for a decision, for, for Costa to win by decision. yeah. <laughs> I could see why they put that because the longer this fight goes, the more gas he's going to go. So he'll, he will lose those later rounds. If, if you know, the longer, the, the longer the fight goes, I put it in Vittori's favor for sure. Okay. You mentioned that you think the Italian is probably going to push the pace here because of the bigger weight. Now uh, being 10 pounds overweight. So Vittori by decision going the distance and getting that five round decision is plus 175. Conversely for the fight, not to go the decision is minus 150. So I, I look at those two lines there, Ricardo, and try to find a correlation there. It would seem to me, if I'm a Vittori backer, that might be the safest way to go, that he wins it by decision at plus 175. Do you see him possibly? Again, we, we mentioned the longer odds of getting the submission stoppage, but I don't see a, a knockout playing for Vittori here. Do you? You know, Dave, we never know what's going to happen in these fights. That's why people love this sport. Uh, Vittori, the thing about Vittori's stand-up is he's very kind of herky-jerky, and it's very hard to get timing on people like that. You know, when you don't necessarily know why their hands are moving this way and that way, he, he might possibly catch uh, Paulo Costa with something, um, especially if he can tire him out, you know, in the later rounds. So I, I wouldn't say that it's an impossibility. I would lean towards the decision win. 
um, if I were to place some money on this fight, though. And again, if you're leaning towards the decision win, and Ricardo, I think you and I are on the same wavelength of that, that we think that Vittori, Vittori rather, can drag this one deep into the, to the later rounds here in uh, Las Vegas and try to tire out uh, the bigger man here. The over is going to give you a little bit. It's plus 100 now for over four and a half rounds. And again, the under right now, juiced at four and a half to minus 130. I kind of feel like the fight script for the Italian to win would take that over four and a half. Do you kind of read it the same way? Yeah, if, if I were Vittori, I'd be kind of leaning towards that over four and a half, uh, dragging this fight out. He's already fighting a bigger guy. Uh, Vittori has been cutting weight. He's been dieting. He was he was close to his mark. So now he gets to rehydrate a little bit, but it's not going to make that much of a difference when a guy that's coming in hasn't pretty much done anything to cut weight. He's probably, you know, uh, coming in at, at close to his walk-around weight already. So he's battling the bigger guy. Um, being the smart fighter, I would think that he would try and drag this fight out. Ricardo, I don't want to keep dumping on, on Costa for missing weight here. But again, you know, in your career, you are a pro. You're a pro's pro. You're going to show up, be at the weight that you're supposed to be at for fight night. What do you make of this? Is this a real problem still in MMA where sometimes men and women, it looks like they don't even try to make the original weight? Yeah, you know, some people, some people have the excuse that if they are a last-minute replacement for a fight, I can understand that. You know, you're coming in on short notice already, trying to salvage this fight. You weren't planning on fighting, so it's not like you were in a regular fight camp, so you, your weight will definitely be higher. But at the end of the day, when you accept that fight, you have to know that you have to take weight. That's part of your job. I think the penalty should be a little harsher for these guys that are coming in and blowing weight. All right, Ricardo Lamas, I love getting your fight perspective. Thanks for joining us here on First Strike. We're coming back with more right here on VEASAN in a minute. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to get in on UFC 267 action. New customers can make a $5 bet on the UFC 267 main event and win $200 in free bets if you win. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up with the code VEASAN, and make your bets for the 267 main event. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Back here on First Strike, I am Dave Ross, and we were always... I'll catch up with Jordan Sherwood. He is the host of the main event on ESPN West Palm. And Jordan, I'd love to pick your brain about this card here on UFC Fight Night here at UFC Apex. We'll talk about the main event in just a minute, but I had a great breakdown from Ricardo Lama. So I want to go to the co-main event here of the evening when we get Grant Dawson against Ricky Glenn. Right now, Dawson, a sizable favorite here at minus 450. Glenn in the take back at plus 320. What is your initial thoughts on this fight? Well, first and foremost, it's hard to follow up Ricardo Lamas, but if I'm going to have to do that, look, I'm big on Grant Dawson, and I think he's shown the type of caliber fighter that he is over his last uh, you know, few fights. He got a, a last-minute knockout the last time out, but he's known as a grappler. He's known as a submission ace, and this is a guy that I think the value is uh, getting the finish. He has 15 finishes in his mixed martial arts career and a guy that could get it via submission because he's very well-versed. Now, granted, Ricky Glenn's not the type of guy that typically gets submitted. He's a guy that's a grinder. You know, he, he relies on his grappling uh, and, and he's going to, you know, look to use the momentum that he had uh, at lightweight. He made his debut at lightweight, uh, his last fight. It was a 37 second knockout. So 
He's going to look to be good, but I think Ricky Glenn is a big time contender. I think he's a future star in this division. And I think that he over three rounds, the aggression that he fights with his pedigree, his jujitsu is enough for me to lay the juice uh, on Dawson to get the finish, not just the win. Cause there's not enough value there. Get the win inside the distance and get the win via submission over a tough guy like Ricky Glenn. Okay, when you say inside the limit there, the three-round limit here, the over-under is set at two and a half, and for it to go over past two and a half rounds, it's minus 155. Do you think he can get it done inside of that two and a half, or do you think it might go late and he gets a late stoppage? I, I think you want to trend towards the late stoppage, so maybe the fight doesn't go to the judges' scorecard just because, again, relying on Ricky Glenn and what I know about him, this is a guy that pushes the pace for three rounds. He, he's a tough out, a guy that doesn't rarely get finished, rarely get submitted, but I'm just I'm buying into the hype. I'm buying into the pedigree that I believe Grant Dawson is going to fight at, and if he fights at that level, He's a guy that should run through a guy like Ricky Glenn to get to that next level in the UFC. All right, let's talk a little bit about Jai Herbert taking on Kama Worthy here. And what is Worthy in your estimation when you break down this fight? Well, Worthy is not worthy if I'm breaking <laughs> down this fight. it's I'm all in on, on Herbert. And I look, I was big on him when he made his UFC debut and he fell short against Francisco Trinado. He's winning that fight and a third second stoppage, uh, you know, kind of, you know, set him back a, a little bit, but this is a guy that was a cage warrior, lightweight champion, six fight win streak heading into the UFC prior to that loss. And, and then he was just outclassed by Renato Moicano in his second fight. Now he gets a kickboxer. Now he gets a guy that's going to stand and trade. He's not going to have to worry about the takedowns. He's not going to have to worry about that defense. And Kama Worthy is a guy, good athlete, made an impressive UFC debut, but this is a guy that likes to hit and doesn't like to get hit. Eight losses in his mixed martial arts career, seven of them by KO, four in the first round, all on the under. So. I'm playing Herbert at Dower 70. I'm looking for him to get the finish inside the distance because this is going to give me a kickboxing battle. And I think likely either one is going to sleep, but Herbert's going to be the guy that I, uh, you know, lay my money on, lay my picks on because I think he's just the better overall fighter uh, and the better stand-up specialist because uh, it'll be a stand-up fight between these two. All right, talking with Jordan Sherwood, the host of the main event on ESPN West Palm. And I like that you go deep into this fight card here to really try some to find some value how about Lacerda against Molina? What side do you, you think might be the right side to really find that value we're talking about? And, and, and this is this is a little bit of a tough one because we're talking about flyweights. We're talking about a little bit younger guys, you know, not a lot of mixed martial arts uh, experience. But Lacerda has 11 pro fights. He's never been to decision. He's only been to the second round once. There's a lot of questions about his gas tank. But the dude is only 25 years old. I uh, had a shoulder surgery that derailed him a little bit earlier on in his career. And Molina's only got 11 pro fights and eight finishes. So I think I'm going to side with Lacerda just because I think he has a little bit more hype around him and a little bit more of an upper echelon, you know, trajectory to his career. But the play for me is on the under. I think one of these guys is going to get finished, even though it is a flyweight fight. I think between Lacerda really never going into the third round, let alone once in the second. And Molina with eight finishes in his 11 pro fights. I'll, I'll play the under at two and a half uh, as my recommendation for what should be a fun flyweight fight. Yeah, absolutely. You don't see a lot of stoppages in the flyweight division, so you get good value there if that does come to fruition. Let's talk about the old guy on the card here because I'm an old guy here, Jordan, so I always look to those guys like Francisco Trinaldo taking on the young kid in uh, Dwight Clark. They're all going to be young to Trinaldo at this stage of his MMA career. What do you make the old versus the new here? 
Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. Dwight Carter, he, he's not young. He's 37. So, like, you know, even though he's young in his UFC career, he's not young uh, in age. Look, he's only three years younger than me. And, and look, Francisco Tornado is, is an enigma. I mean, the dude at 40 still doing what he's doing. And, like, look, now he's not fighting at lightweight. Now he's fighting at welterweight. But the guy still can crack. I think, look, he doesn't have to worry so much about the cardio. I think that this is a fight that, again, is going to be played on the feet. I'm going to side with Francisco Tornado because he could still thump. He showed that he could still win those tough fights. He, as I had just alluded to earlier, the victory over uh, Herbert, uh, a couple of fights back. And I just don't, I, I just don't trust Dwight, uh, Dwight Grant to get the job done. So probably just a little bit more reliant on the experience of Tornado, the skill set of Tornado going to get the win. But I, I think I, at the end of the day, you're right. Relying on a guy who's 40, uh, you know, going up in weight uh, second time at welterweight, uh, not so trustworthy, but if I have to make a play, it's on Francisco Tronado to Dower 25, Dower 20 to get the victory over Dwight Grant. And for the record, they're all kids to me, Jordan, that's for sure. All right, let's talk about the ladies <laughs> a little bit and talk about uh, Tabitha Ricci taking on Maria Oliveira in this fight. And again, we're digging deep into this card, but you've done so, you've done the work to try to find that value. What do you see with these ladies on Saturday night? Yeah, I, I just I just like what I see from Ricci, what I, I see from her grappling, uh, her, her submission pedigree, uh, a woman that's going to go and look to get uh, her top game going and look to get the finish. And, and I think that she's going to have the advantage to do that against Oliveira, you know, a, a fighter that's more of a kickboxer, doesn't want to be on her back, doesn't want to be pressed against the cage. So uh, I, I think I saw Ricci, you know, Definitely some value there to get the finish. I think she's someone that certainly can pull that off because we've seen that before throughout her career. So again, looking for those plays, looking for those values deep in the card with maybe some names you're not familiar with, some fighters you haven't seen. Ricci inside the distance uh, would be a recommendation that I have um, because I think it's a, a you know you're getting about 165, 170 back on that one. Very quickly, when you look at Jessica Rose Clark here as a solid favorite at minus 155 against Jocelyn Edwards here. I look at Rose Clark and I go, man, you love to watch her fight. You don't see her fight all the time because she's been dealing with a lot of injuries and she's up here as the third fight on, on that main card. And Jordan, Jordan, does that scare you at all when you see her history of injuries with the long layoff and being a decided favorite in this fight? I think it really depends on the fighter. It's not, it's not black or white. You know, when you have a fighter that has an ACL, you know, injury that takes her out for nine to 12 months. Jessica Rose Clark looked fantastic uh, in her last fight prior to the injury. And again, you know, Sarah Alfar is not, you know, uh, a big name and, and, a, and a top contender, but, but certainly I think Rose Clark made the smart decision to go to Bantamweight or go back to Bantamweight. Now second fight at the return to Bantamweight. If she's right, she wins this fight easily because she's well-rounded. She's tough fight. She's a tough fighter. Uh, and Edwards really just has one skill set in my mind, and that's from a kickboxing standpoint. So I think Jessica Rose Clark can make this fight dirty. She could use her boxing. And if she has to, she could rely on some of the grappling uh, that, that she showcased before and get the win. But I, but I agree with you. I was on it earlier in the, in the week, but then I'm like, you know what I'm hearing. Did the layoff really help? Is mm. she really fully back yet? Cause you never know. Each fighter is going to deal with that ACL, MCL, those type of surgeries, uh, those type of injuries all differently. So I'm, I'm laying off it. If you need to play it, you need to play every fight fine. Then, you're, then my recommendation would be Jessica Rose Clark in that one. Oh, we've got a minute to go here, Jordan. Let's get back to the main event here. And again, I think we created a new weight class uh, this week with Paolo Costa coming in and saying, all right, I'll fight at 195. That's what the fight's going to go off. And still, Vittoria, the Italian, is the solid favorite here. What do you make of the missing of weight? And how does, how would you, how does it judge your handicapping when you see that? 
Yeah, it's uncalled for. The guy, look, he got, he's getting paid to do a job and he's not doing the job. Like part of the job is like showing up to fight at the contracted weight. Look, Marvin Vittori is an animal. He's going to fight whoever at what weight. So it, he knew the opponent he was going up against when he knew he couldn't make the weight. It's frustrating because I'm a big fan of Paulo Costa when he's inside the cage and he's right. I think Costa needs a finish. He needs to catch Vittori, uh, you know, maybe showboating a little bit, not doing what he does. But if Vittori sticks to his game plan, pushes the pace for five rounds, utilizes his grappling, his well-versed in striking, um, then he, he, get, he wins his fight. He, he wins it on the judges' scorecards. But I'll say this. I'm a big Marvin Vittori fan. I actually even handicapped him to get the victory over Israel Adesanya. So trust me on Marvin Vittori for as much as you want uh, because Paulo Costa is an animal, and this fight's at 195, not at 185. But my recommendation would be Vittori still gets the job done on Saturday night. And if he gets it done by decision, the plus money there at plus 175. Jordan Sherwood, really appreciate the time and the information. We'll catch up again soon. All right, Dave. Thanks for having me. All right, coming back right here on First Strike with Lufa Nicaro next here on Visa. On Beeson, Dave Ross, alongside one of the best handicappers in the business, Lou Finnecaro. Always love getting Lou on first strike to break down the UFC fight night card coming up here at UFC Apex on Saturday night. And Lou, when I look at the main event, and I was very excited to see what Costa and Vittori could do at 185 pounds, and maybe the winner puts himself back in a title contention against Israel Adesanya, and then Costa comes to Las Vegas this week and decides, I'm not even going to get close to making weight. So let's do a catch weight at 195, which Vittori agrees to. Well, what do you make of that scenario? Because, again, I, I really don't want to crush people for not making weight, but it feels like here you're not even attempting to make the weight. He doesn't seem to be attempting to make the weight. And, and so it makes it difficult to try and handicap the fight. I will say this. Uh, wrestlers. And Vittori is the more wrestling-based fighter here, and it's understood that he's going to need some ground control in order to have this fight go his way. It's going to now be more difficult for him to do that. Uh, is Costa outright cheating? I don't know that I want to say it like that, but he's sure angling for advantage, and we don't even know if he's going to step on the scale tomorrow at 195. Uh, I, I'm... I'm perplexed at his lack of professionalism. We've yet to hear anything from Dana White. That would really tell me a lot and help me in preparing for this fight. But there's a surely a lot of unknown here. Yeah, it's a it's a great point. And we mentioned it and we talked to Ricardo Lamas earlier in the program here about when he had a fight, the, the now champion Du Bronx, Charles Oliveira, 10 pounds north of, of his weight limit. And Ricardo beat him on that night here. And I, and I just wonder handicapping it's got to be really tough because to your point Vittori wants to take this down to the ground and wrestle but he's not going to have that weight advantage to, to keep him down you would think theoretically so I wonder if Costa is in play here even though we might not like it as MMA fans to possibly root a victory would be a knockout because if Vittori can't hold down the bigger guy could you see a scenario that that could ultimately lead to a knockout win for Paolo here being 10 pounds heavier 
Yeah, I, I think he's angling for advantage here. And uh, the issue with Costa is, are we going to get the Yoel Romero-prepared Costa, or are we going to get the Izzy Adesanya-prepared Costa? That's, you know, that's another wrinkle. And if Costa does come prepared, does you know how many rounds does he really have at the higher weight? Uh, it, there's There's a lot. But I would say Costa, if he can convince me that he's really there to win a fight, I'm angling for him because I think on their best day, it's a pick em, and he's angling for advantage and gaining it by being heavier and by the fact that he's the slugger of the two and Vittori trying to get inside while Costa has 205 pounds power is a different thing than a drawn-out Costa 185. Yeah, absolutely. Talking with Lou Finnecaro, of course, the host of the Bout Business podcast. You should check that out as well. Uh, by the way, Costa right now, to win by KO, TKO, or DQ is plus 240. So if you're looking for that value that Lou always gives you here, that might be the way to go if you want to back the man that's going to come in clearly heavier than we all anticipated on Saturday night. Let's get down to the co-main here and look at Grant Dawson against Ricky Glenn, because I know you really like this fight, and I think you've got an angle for the people. What is that angle? Really, I look at this fight, Dave, as the same guy fighting. Uh, Ricky Glenn is a little bit the older man in this fight, 32 to 27. And what Ricky Glenn was when he was young, that's what Grant Dawson is right now. Uh, so Ricky Glenn, he's, he's really well-rounded. He's gridly, uh, gridly. He's <laughs> gristled. He's, he's wily. He's tough as a $2 steak, but he's also a little bit older. And I think Dawson is what Glenn was some years ago. And I'm having a hard time seeing seeing Glenn hold off the young Dawson here. I think Dawson's a rightful favorite. Uh, would the fight go over the two and a half rounds? That's where I'd lean, uh, but it's minus 155, minus 160. This is probably not a fight that I'm going to get involved with, but I do think Dawson's the, the legitimate favorite here. If you like the over, and that's the slight lean here, could we then think about doing maybe a Dawson in the over uh, parlay to try to get better numbers. Is that the fight script you could see playing out potentially? Yeah, I'm not a big parlay guy. Um, you know, if anything, I would maybe look the fight goes to decision because I will give Glenn that credit for being that tough. And if the fight does go to decision, then you could probably turn that minus 155 into even money, maybe minus 110, 120. All right, and maybe a different way to go, but I, I like what you're saying. It's hard to win two. Uh, hard to win one bet sometimes, let alone two. So just take that as a word of caution. Let's talk about uh, Dwight Grant here against uh, Francisco Trinaldo in this one. And I always say, well, Trinaldo is the old guy and Grant's the young guy in this fight. But really, they're kind of two old guys going at it here. How do you handicap this one, Lou? Well, I mean, at 37, Grant still is six years the younger man. And I think this is the UFC trying to get Trinaldo a, an exit ticket here. <laughs> Uh, and Trinaldo's had to go from 155 up to 170 because of his age now. In this fight, the other kid, Grant, longer, taller, younger. That said, a little more one-dimensional in that he's a striker. If Trinaldo can get this to the floor, he'll have advantage. If Grant can keep it up, he'll have advantage. I think Grant keeps it up and can keep Trinaldo at the end of his shots. And therefore, I think Grant is a decent consideration at plus money. Yeah, plus 110 right now. So if you want to go with the young guy, 
They're both young to me, Lou, that's for sure. I understand your rationale yeah. there. I always like watching Bruce Leroy fight, right? He's an entertaining fighter to watch and Alex Caceres. But I wonder what you make of his fight now with Sung Woo Choi uh, on Saturday night. Because, again, entertaining doesn't always cash those tickets. And I know by backing Caceres in the past, is there a case to be made to back him on this one at plus 225? Yeah, I think there's plenty. I mean, he's won four straight coming into this fight and being underestimated in each of those fights. Uh, Caceres is going to have to utilize space, which he is his strength. Power's not his strength. Wrestling's not his strength. Uh, evasive defense and pitter-patter offense is his strength. And he's in with a guy that's going to not necessarily wrestle him. Uh, Choi is going to move forward and, and play Muay Thai kickbox with Caceres. And the issue with Caceres is that he can be bullied. I think the other kid is a little too big, a little too strong. And while he's giving away tremendous experience to Caceres, I just think Choi is too much, too physical. Alex can get bullied. Uh, This is one that I would maybe take Choi via decision at close to even money to take that pressure off uh, his heavy uh, uh, favorite price. Yeah, he is a big favorite here. But but I like what you're saying about Caceres here as the underdog winning those four fights in a row. Do you feel like he's matured to where it's not just about necessarily putting on a show, but actually trying to win? And again, even though you like Choi here, but don't love the big price, have you seen that in Caceres' career? Because when you when you watch him through the years, it looks like he has matured at least as a fighter. Well, I mean, he was in diapers at the MMA lab when I was out there checking him out, work out. He's now moved to Florida. And yes, Dave, he's absolutely matured. He's got a significant other. He's down in Florida with their family. His last four fights have shown a, a tremendous maturation. If you want to see the modern day evolution of Benson Henderson, look for it in Alex Caceres. They've spent tons of time together. And Alex fights with that same mentality, that cerebral approach. All that being said, I I just think this is not an ideal matchup for him. If he does win, his path to victory is pitter-patter. I mean, he doesn't have enough power to break an egg, but he can count points and win via decision. To me, that's his only avenue to win. And again, if you like that play, Caceres to win by decision is plus 450. I'm with you there, Lou. He's going to have to stick and move, get in, get out, and don't take choice power, but that is maybe an alternative pathway to victory if you like the upset in this one. we got about a minute to go here very quickly. Lou. I just want to look ahead to next week with you, if I can, for one second. When you look at Bohovic against Teixeira here, as that strap goes on the line uh, in the middleweight division here, uh, since we were supposed to be talking about middleweights at 185, excuse me, at light heavyweight, uh, what do you make of this light heavyweight matchup here with Bohovic against Teixeira, just on the quick look ahead? Yeah, you're getting such a raw, uneducated opinion. I've given it no consideration other than this. The world will want Glover. The UFC, the mixed martial arts community is going to be on Glover. And so my heart will be on Glover, no question about it. However, my head is with Jan Blachowicz. He should be a favorite. Should he be 280? I'm not quite so sure about that. Uh, but I'm looking for a great fight, one in which I, I geez, I'm going to have fingers and toes crossed that Glover can win that fight. All right, we'll get your professional handicap on that one next week right here 
on First Strike. Lou Finnecaro, always appreciate the time and the information. Check out the Bout Business Podcast. We'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Dave. Good luck, everyone. All right. Come on back right here on First Strike. We got more to get to, including Riku next on VC. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to get in on UFC 267 action. New customers can make a $5 bet on the UFC 267 main event and win $200 in free bets if you win. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up with the code VEASAN, and make your bets for the 267 main event. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Back here on First Strike, I am Dave Ross, and we've had a great guest list so far today. Ricardo Lamas, Jordan Sherwood, and Lou Finicaro. And it's always good to cre- catch up with Reed Kuhn, of course, a professional MMA handicapper, because Reed goes by a little bit differently than some of the others with some of your models that you have out there, Reed. So it's always good to catch up with you. And I know it's different this week as of us having this discussion. The weigh-ins have not happened yet. So how does that affect your models when you put in the information before we actually get to the weigh-in? Yeah, it's a good point, and it's going to get weird uh, because some other reasons are having to do with the catch weight and the agreement to fight at a different size. Um, so there is a bit of wait and see here. I always take a look at what the numbers are telling me with current lines, and when I say current lines, it might be a week out, it might be a few days, a few days out. But you know, the big action isn't going to come in until after weigh-ins anyway. That's when the limits go up. Uh, so that's what I'm going to go with for the final pricing. Usually it doesn't change the side I'm on. It changes how much I'm willing to risk. And in this case, sometimes I might have to back off a little bit if I see risk factors that affect the side that I'm taking. And so I am pretty strong on one side here, and I'm going to have to think about that. I'm going to have to think about how they look tomorrow at catch weight. Um, Did Vittori really have to push himself to cut weight? Did Costa have to cut weight, even though they're agreeing at at a catch weight that's 10 pounds higher? Um, I am going to probably pay attention to weigh-ins a little bit more than usual. Yeah, that's interesting because we just had Lou Finnecaro on as well. Just like like you, Reed, he's going to really be paying attention to, to Costa. Like, we're assuming it's not going to be a problem for him to make the 195 uh, catch weight limit here, but that still will be decided on the scales. But I, I think just in general, I think that people that like Vittori, who is the, the solid favorite here, might be a little bit more concerned now because we know the method of victory, we would assume, is going to be grappling, right? He's going to want to take the bigger man down and wear him out. Does that now become a red flag? Because you don't want to get into a striking contest necessarily with the bigger, bigger, heavier guy coming in on Saturday night in a smaller uh, cage here that we're going to have at UFC Apex. What do you make of all those different factors now with the weight being an uncertainty? Yeah, it's hard to quantify it because um, really these are variables that don't go into a mathematical model. I'm looking at the performance, the history to date, other out-of-the-cage factors, but that are, those are more stylistic or biographical, you know, how big they are, how old they are, um, what their styles are. So based on the pure numbers, I would lean toward Vittori pretty strongly in this matchup. I just think he's able to change levels, and that, that also affects the striking game. Even, even though I would credit Paulo Costa as being the better power striker, not only being more accurate with his power hand, but also harder hitting. I think Vittori, the threat of those takedowns can often force someone to drop their hands. Uh, It doesn't allow a power striker to play to their best ability. So those factors were leaning me to go towards Vittori pretty strongly here. Um, And also when I look at just the history, Paulo Costa knocked out a lot of guys who are no longer in the UFC. Um, 
only one of them, Uriah Hall, is still there. He, he got knocked out by Israel Adesanya in his last outing. But Torrey has faced other talent in the top 10 and, and beaten them handily. So, and he also went five full rounds with the champ. So these are all together, like strengthening my position on Vittori. Yeah, the, the 10 pounds, though, is that 10 pounds of pure muscle and, and good pounds? Or are they, he was injured, he couldn't cut the weight like he normally does? Is it more red flag 10 pounds? That's what we're trying to look for tomorrow. Does he look like his usual self, but more or less? It's, a, it's more of a swaying thing. And given how strongly I am on Vittori, unfortunately, his, his line has been steamed quite a bit, maybe because of this news. Um, I might have to pull back a little bit, but just on paper, definitely Vittoria's the side, and I believe that the, the the reason for that is because of his ability to change levels. Yeah, very fascinating. A lot of people have been asking me on Twitter, is this more instead of a red flag, red wine for, for Costa here as he's really been up in weight here? We'll see how he looks on the scale. It's a great point, Reed. We'll see how it is, but I'm kind of with you on your rationale before we knew of the weight issues coming into Saturday night's fight. Let's talk about the co-main event here a little bit with Dawson against Glenn. What are the models showing you in this one? Yeah, it's one of those things where I line up the two guys and it's check marks all the way down for Grant Dawson. Um, He's as good a striker, at least technically speaking, in terms of accuracy, pace, and defense. He's maybe not as hard-hitting as Rick Glenn. Rick Glenn does have a good knockdown rate and Dawson does not. Uh, But beyond that, if we're looking at clinch game, if we're looking at ground game, it's definitely strong leans on Grant Dawson. Uh, He attempts takedowns at a furious rate. He may not land the first attempt, but he's chaining them together. And that is a particular style of fighter that has generally been very successful, very reliable as a better to back him. Um, This is another case where, unfortunately, the line has also gotten a lot more expensive since I last looked at it or first looked at it. Uh, But I do believe that he is going to wrestle. And maybe it'll take him three rounds. Who knows? Maybe he gets a submission. But uh, I agree with the steep price here because Dawson has a ton of uh, statistical advantages on paper. Yeah, now all the experts so far in first strike are backing Dawson in this one. I've taken note of that. So even though it looks like a big price, it's a big price for a reason that you have all uh, well documented throughout this program. Uh, Let's go to the undercard here and let's talk about Marcos against Souza here. Uh, What's the lean by what the numbers and your models are telling you? Yeah, this one, thankfully, I'm on the opposite side. Uh, I think there's some upset potential. It, it's a small upset, practically a pick but I like Ronda Marcos here. Uh, not only does she show up better on paper statistically, she clearly has the stronger strength of schedule. And if you look at her record, it's not very impressive. I mean, she's, she's one of those rare fighters in the UFC that almost is 500 in terms of their record. But you look back, and she's faced uh, most of the top talent in the division and oftentimes made it competitive whereas Souza undefeated, but really who has she been beating? So she's still relatively new, not a ton of data. I mean, enough to make a call here, at least on the styles. Uh, so yeah, I'm going for an upset here. I think uh, Ronda Marcos, um, I hope her head is in the, in the game here. She may be inching towards retirement. I don't know. She's getting a little bit older and that record isn't helping her. She's on a bit of a losing streak, but on paper, she looks strong, and then I, I stack that up against with who she's fought, and it only reinforces the position that she's probably the more technical fighter here. Yeah, Marcus has been an under, underdog even back to her uh, ultimate fighting days here. Where she was one of the, the lowest-rated women in the house, and, and we saw she did very well there to get a UFC contract. So I'm with you. When you're at the end of those contracts, maybe the end of the career, you get a little bit more motivation if she wants to stick around. Could be a good plus value there. Uh, Reed, we've got a couple minutes here with you left, so I just wanted to look ahead because we've got some great cards coming up here in the next couple weeks. 
uh, some pay-per-view cards, obviously, in two weeks. But next week, uh, we do have a, a couple title fights here with Bohovic against Teixeira uh, at the white heavyweight division. And then an interim title bout, uh, Sanhagen against Jan. I know you're going to do more extensive research on this in next week, uh, but I did want to get your pre- preliminary thoughts there. What do you make of the light heavyweight matchup there? Yeah, two grizzled veterans who've been around a long time yet still keep getting it done somehow. Um, you know, I'm not normally backing the older fighters, but Teixeira at 42 somehow looks better than he did it you know, in his <laughs> early 30s. I don't know how he's doing it, um, but he is one of those just phenomenal grapplers. Blahovich proved that he can also fight on the ground, and he manhandled a, a smaller Israel Adesanya. That was kind of an unfair contest to compare those two size-wise. Um, Blahovich is. You know, maybe north of a two-to-one favorite here. I'm actually siding almost on that price, if not slightly seeing value on Glover at that price. Um, the lean is still for and still, uh, but you know, Glover is—he somehow outperforms the models despite his age. He can get it done with submissions. He can just push you on the ground. He can also push a pace for five rounds, uh, seemingly without any issue on his gas tank. So. Maybe a little bit of value. I'll have to see where the prices land. I'm kind of right there with you. I see it the same way there. And I, I looked at that number and I just thought, wow, that's too much for a guy who's hitting his stride now. It's, it's amazing to think that Teixeira fought for the belt against John Jones back in 2014. Here we are in 2021. He's getting another shot at that same crown. Very quickly, I cannot wait to see Corey Sanhagen against Peter Yan here in the interim uh, bantamweight bout here. We know Aljamain Sterling cannot go as of yet. What are your models showing you initially in this uh, interim championship. First of all, this should be a very good fight. I mean, these guys are both very willing to engage. They're both very accurate strikers. I think we're going to see some phenomenal exchanges on the feet. They have 13 knockdowns combined between them. And these are guys at Bantamweight. This is the second smallest weight class for the men. So um, these guys know how to crack. And uh, I think that Jan still has the advantage here. Uh, he's been getting it done very high level. Um, you know, he, I would say Sandigan with the reach, he does show up a little bit better in terms of accuracy, but Jan has proven himself against top talent. And I think he also has the edge on the ground. So should he need to, he can take it there. But I think if they go toe to toe, it's not a layup for Sandigan by any stretch. Um, I do agree with the pricing that Jan should be a clear favorite. And I'm probably still willing to lay some juice for his side. We'll see where the price lands. But I'm, I'm feeling more strongly about the end still on this one than I was about the first. All right, Reed Good, Always love your numbers. Thanks for joining us here on First Strike. And thanks for everybody that joined us today. Enjoy the fights on Saturday night. We'll see you next week right here on Visa. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. 
Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.